You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones. Also, there is no flash photography, please. And enjoy the show. Welcome everyone, I'm Nella Vera, the Director of Marketing at Fine Science 54 Below, and this is the Fine Science 54 Below podcast, where we bring you behind the scenes at Broadway Supper Club. I'm so thrilled to be back in our virtual studio recording a podcast with an artist who's going to be performing live on our stage for the first time in 15 months. It is such a joy to think about live shows again, and we're so grateful to everyone who has expressed their support for our reopening. Derek Baskin is a Grammy and Tony-nominated artist for his outstanding performance as Otis Williams in the Broadway production of Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. His other noteworthy Broadway credits include Memphis the Musical, Disney's The Little Mermaid, and the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Film and TV credits include The Good Lord Bird, starring alongside Ethan Hawke, Marshall with the late Chadwick Boseman, and three seasons on Hulu's a critically acclaimed sitcom, Difficult People. Derek, welcome to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So just to give context for this conversation and for anyone who's listening later, uh, we're recording this in June 2021, so it's 15 months after our entire industry shut down. So yeah. tell us how you are and how you fared during the shutdown. Um. The first word that came to my mind is, I am different. Uh, I am not the same person I was 15 months ago, and I'm grateful for kind of the journey that I've taken throughout these 15 months. It's been very hard, you know? It's, it's, it's not often that the world shuts down, you know? <laughs> During the shutdown, I was able to kind of sit with myself and kind of get my bearings. You know, this business is, is just all about go, go, go. It's all about, you know, moving forward. You're in one project and you're looking for the next project and you're always just looking forward. And I took this time for myself to be with myself to kind of take a look back at my journey up until, up until this point. And so I did a lot of soul searching throughout this past year and couple of months. It's has been very illuminating. There has been a lot of adjustments I've had to make as an artist, as a man, as a friend, as a brother, as a romantic partner, like all of these things, I uh, I kind of just dived into myself and I didn't, um, I didn't work a lot. And I think it was on my end strategic. The work will come back, you know, Broadway's coming back. Feinstein's is coming back. Everything is opening, but when there's when there was times of stillness, I wanted to take advantage of that stillness, and that's what I did, man. So I'm I'm in a really good place. I feel like I'm in a better place emotionally, a better place spiritually, and I'm very grateful for kind of the time off. 
Gosh, that is so beautiful. And you've so wonderfully expressed, I think, what many people have gone through, including myself. I've never had time to sit with myself or even with my partner. Right. You know, this much time, it's been incredible. And I, you know, obviously people have suffered and there's, it's been devastating to a lot of people. But I think the one little ray of hope has been to find the stillness. And it's also kind of crazy to think about I, I can't imagine going back to that crazy life from before where you're go, go, go. I mean, we're, we're all going to have to have this reentry eventually, but it's going to yeah. be an adjustment, I think. <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, God willing, if you've done the work, though, and, and finding your stillness, you'll keep that stillness as the world opens, right? And so, like, your um, the way you approach work now, the way you, the way you drive your drive, it will come from a different place. The types of projects that I want to be involved in, that will change now because I'm like, will this bring me peace? Will this bring me joy? Will this inspire me? You know, as opposed to how much am I going to get paid for it? And I, I hope that when people return to whatever vocation that they're in, that they just approach it with maybe more gratitude. I, that's that's what I plan on doing, you know? And so it, it, it will be an adjustment. I mean, this cabaret for me is an adjustment. I can't, I still can't believe I'm actually doing it, but I said, okay, let's say yes to this. <laughs> it's, it's been a while, obviously, since live performance have, have been able to take place. How did, how do you feel about getting back on a stage? You know, it's, it's if you grow, if you, if theater is your thing, right? You have, this you know whatever show or whatever it's not not even just theater if art is your thing with an audience like so if you're a musician if you're a concert dancer if you're a straight theater actor or a musical theater actor if anything involves an audience kind of watching you in the moment sharing your gifts as an artist you miss that i've missed it i really have missed kind of that in in theater we say like that's the last cast member you know, the audience is really part of the cast. And then you have this beautiful energy exchange um, between the audience and the artist. And that type of energy, I missed it. I missed it. I have to admit that I really did miss it. And it'll be great to kind of just feel that again. I'm pretty sure the first night I will probably be a bit overwhelmed because it's just an adjustment, you know? I was like, oh my God, there's people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not just singing singing in my living room or anything. Um, <laughs> or on Zoom. Right? Or on Zoom. Oh, yeah, I've done that too. And it's just so impersonal, you know? But just to be able to breathe together and to really feel each other energetically, I'm... I'm just looking forward to kind of sharing that energy again. I think audiences are beyond excited to see live music and live performances again. I mean, I had no problem, you know, we're selling uh, pods so that people can sit together and not sit with strangers. And I had no problem filling my pod for your show. Immediately three people responded. (laughs) I took the first three people who responded and they were like, of course. And of course, everybody had seen you in in your show as well. So that was very easy, but they're beside themselves at the prospect of, sitting and listening to live music and live singing so it's gonna it's gonna be wild i'm Um, I'm happy to do that as well i'm also happy to you know be on the other side and maybe see some live music myself like i miss that i miss going to concerts and yeah i miss going to plays and theater and so i can't wait to actually do that myself yay um so you describe your fine science 54 below show as 
a journey through cherished moments of love, sorrow, hope, and joy. Yeah. What can audiences expect from the show? And you don't have to give it all away, but if you can give us some hints. Yeah, uh, then I won't. I won't. I won't give it all away. But um, I, I will say that I think if you were to look at your life, if everyone was was to look at the major moments of their lives, there's uh, a piece of music that will remind you of that time. You know, and so I look at the soundtrack of my life. I look at my time at Ain't Too Proud, and and what is that music that I was listening to? Uh, when I was at Ain't Too Proud and what was I going through, right? I remember who, I remember specifically who I was listening to when I moved to New York. I re uh, that's when we had like Discman's. <laughs> like I remember my CD and my CD player and walking down the street with, you know, said artist. And I remember moments in my life where I fell in love. I remember those songs that, there's a song like, you know, you'll hear one song and it will take you right to this like ex-girlfriend i'm just like wow and it still happens um i remember when i fell out of love and then what kind of music i was listening to to that and when it comes to like social justice i i love how resilient uh my culture black culture is and how we use music to deal with the pain that we endure uh throughout maybe the 60s well actually even today you know I, I look at how we use music to kind of soothe our souls and there's music that when you're thinking about the social injustices that are happening there's music that makes you think of that and it inspires you to keep moving forward and hopefully it galvanizes you uh, galvanizes us as a people to keep fighting and so there are these all there are these moments in our lives and what i love about art and what i love about music is quite oftentimes music has reflected the times and so um i'm just gonna look at a few of those moments and 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 tie them together and i hope that it will maybe inspire you to look at your life and, and the moments in your life and the music that you were listening to in the big moments of your life. Beautiful. Yeah, so you're c covering a whole a whole array of genres. I, yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, there's, um, well, I guess I won't tell too much, but like, uh, I'll, I'll say this, and since <laughs> this is, it'll be obvious, I, I have to honor uh, the temptation, so I will be singing some, some music from Ain't Too Proud for sure. Um, but I will honor also just my upbringing. I will honor some of my favorite artists. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah. Uh, you've been in some spectacular Broadway shows from Spelling Bee to Little Mermaid to Memphis and now Ain't Too Proud. Wow. When you look back on the shows that you've been in, What's one unforgettable, one or two unforgettable experiences that you can share sure. with us? If I were to mention two moments in theater that kind of changed my life, I would have to say the first moment would be my Broadway debut. So I, my first show was um, the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. It was my first Broadway show. I had no experience <laughs> whatsoever. I had never taken a voice lesson and it was there was nine people in the cast and seven of us had our Broadway debut. We were nominated for several Tony Awards that year and we won two. But you know, when you're nominated for a Tony, uh, the show was nominated for a Tony, uh, you get to perform on the Tony Awards. And I, I just was certain that 
we would do this other song. There were two cast members that were nominated. And I was like, well, they're they're the ones that are nominated, so we'll do their song and I can chill and have a good old time and enjoy my first Tonys. And they were like, so we're gonna do Derek's song for the Tony Awards. And I was like, you got <laughs> to be kidding me. <laughs> and I, was, I, I literally was like, in complete shock. And I think honestly all of, all of us, the entire cast was in complete shock. But my particular song was the best um what you know, when you're young you don't realize that the Tonys it's also um it's a calling card for the world to come and see Broadway. And so my song was the particular it's a really good selling point for what the show actually was. And so um yeah, so I was introduced to the Broadway community and to the world on the Tony Awards, no one knew who I was and no one knew who any of us really were. And it was just like, I remember that night after I performed and people were like, who's this guy? Who's that guy? Who's he? And, and <laughs> it was just so crazy to be like, hi, I'm Derek and I am a Broadway actor. Like that was my introduction to the Broadway community. And I'll, I'll never like forget that. And I'll never forget Bill Finn, who was the composer of that show and I I will be forever be grateful to Bill Finn for kind of just picking me out of obscurity and putting me on the Broadway platform. Well, <laughs> that's such a great introduction. How you said that you you hadn't taken a voice lesson so you just went to an audition. Yeah. And that's so kind of like the the story that everybody dreams. It's true. Of. It's like <laughs> I uh they at the time uh, the show wasn't connected to a, a major uh, casting director in the city. And so uh, everyone else was cast. Bill Finn knew of the person or he knew the person. So he was just making phone calls. And the only character that he they couldn't find was my character. The, I, someone had played him previously and that person left the show to do a show at Williamstown. And so they began to call, make calls. They called Norm Lewis, they called Leah Delaria, they called, you know, all these established <laughs> actors. We were gonna go, we were going to the Berkshires and we we're gonna make literally like maybe 200, I think it was like 267 a week. No one's gonna go, you know, for $267 <laughs> a week. Like that's less than my rent. I, could, I still couldn't make my rent paying that stuff. Cause then there's, then you still gotta take taxes out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and pay your agent. And, and there's that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so Barrington Stage cast it directly. Just they came down and cast it. And my first agent uh, got me into that audition. And I had done my first Broadway show. Not first Broadway. My first um, summer stock show was um, Smokey Joe's Cafe. So that's the only songs I had. <laughs> and so uh, I just went in and I sang a song. And... You know, it was so funny because Bill Finn was in the room and in my ignorance, I didn't know who, which one was Bill. I didn't know who was what behind the table. It's like, I don't know who the director is. I don't know who the composer is. I don't know who the writer is. And they were all there. And I started singing my song and this man, this large man just starts chuckling, like starts like chuckling during, like in the middle of my song. And I said, okay, either I got him right here and he's very happy or I am like really, really, really 
messing up here. And it doesn't feel like I'm messing up, so I'm going to keep going because I feel like I'm sounding good. So maybe he's just laughing because I for sure, like if I hear someone that I really love, it will it will I will chuckle because it'll you you're just yeah, you're happy to hear that kind of energy and so I was like I think I got him I'm not certain and so um yeah but at that point you know I kind of grew up singing in church so like that's where I that was my you know my training and so after he heard me sing he was like great like he's the guy <laughs> and I can now finish writing this this musical and so after I, I after I was hired he was able to write a couple more songs for my character and kind of fill out the show that is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and what a great show, too. So oh, it was fun. so much fun, man. And, and also the little show that could. It's true. Made it, I love those stories. Like when Avenue Q went to yeah. Broadway, that was, you know, also so great to see that it's not just these enormous. Yeah, we were just a bunch. The shows that all Broadway can accommodate a lot of different types. Yeah, of and they were like our template, you know. They were right before us, like a year or two right before us. And so uh, maybe a, actually probably just a year before us. And, um, and so we were just like, oh, we're like them. They're a bunch of misfits like us. And so it was really cool. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. for me, big shows, like I've been part of big shows, and which is fine. They're, they're machines because they're so big. A lot of times I gravitate towards those little quirky, flawed shows because like I feel like we are all flawed as individuals. And that's like real life. And not everything is shiny. And that's what Spelling Bee was. It was just very, had a very human approach to kind of theater. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. So delightful. Yeah. Uh, my second favorite, it's hard because I actually think when this one is my favorite. And I actually, I think the one I'm going to tell you now is my favorite. And Spelling Bee will be like literally they're neck and neck. But I did this show off Broadway, which was a play at second stage and it was called Whirl Inside a Loop. Oh, I love uh, that. It, that was Sherry yeah, Renee. Yeah, Sherry Renee Scott yeah. and Dick Scanlon were the writers of it. And it was like a, it was almost like a Hamlet. It was like a play within a play. It asked so much of me as an actor. And when I was, you know, starting in this business, people knew that I sang, but I wanted to be known as an actor and being in this play where there's no music and I couldn't hide behind my voice. And, and, and the themes of the show were themes that I was going through kind of in my life. And it was talking about just forgiveness and big themes on how like we, um, kind of react and interact with each other. There was a, the huge question was like, are you kind of the worst thing you've ever done? Asking big questions like that. And it was by far, it is still to this day by far the favorite, my favorite piece of theater I've ever done more than any musical I've ever done. This is my, it changed my life as an actor. It actually healed me as an actor. And when theater can kind of like touch your heart and touch your spirit, that's the kind of theater I want to do. And that thing, oh, that thing was fantastic. And we all played like, you know, it was like we, everyone never left the stage. It was completely ensemble piece. Yeah. yeah. And no one left the stage and we all have to, we all play like three or four characters. And we went back between black and white races. Like I played a couple of white guys and 
and mm-hmm. um, someone played a white woman. So oh, Hillary Clinton was in the care in the as was a character. Oh, yes. And so it was just like it was just it kind of just stre- it stretches you as an actor, and you're just like yes, this is the stuff I want to do. This is it, and it was received so well in the community. Any writer who came to see the show, they loved it. Any actor who came to see it, they loved it. You know. And it was just a wonderful experience. And so I would say, honestly, that's probably my favorite. And then I guess Spelling Bee would be my second favorite. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, it was a powerful piece of theater. Yeah. Also, you know, entertaining and well done, but also really made you think yeah. about so many things, you know, and just looking at things in a new way. Which Absolutely. is really what theater does. And even, you know, even the musicals do that. In various ways, you know, they create a community. You have that shared experience with yes. people, but but that when you know that kind of theater is so special in its yeah. own way too. So it's just yeah, I loved it. Uh, speaking of, ain't too proud, mm-hmm. uh, and your role as Otis Williams mm-hmm. uh, was it unnerving to play a real person? And I think you also got a chance to meet yeah. him. Yeah. The process of putting together yeah well you know we, we're still in touch um he's like get, he's in the gym now getting in shape because they're about to go on tour what? yeah you know it's just like he was like he posted something on instagram and he was like and i was like look at him he's he's, look, he's looking good and so i called him and i was like you're looking good man and you know they're you know because the world is opening back everyone's returning and so the temptations are going back on tour and um but i've been very blessed to um call him friend we refer to him as uncle o you know that's what we call him and since the day like the first time i met him was the only time that i was nervous he had come to see uh we were doing the workshop of it and we wanted to present to him just the first half of it right because it is his life, and so we didn't want to kind of overwhelm him. And so we're just like, we'll give you, we'll give you this part of your life, <laughs> and then that's it. And I was, I was nervous because you know this is a, he's an icon, he's a juggernaut, and I stand on his shoulders. I am where I am because he was where he was, and so I was nervous. But then we have, we share the same kind of spirits, right? Like so, we have the in in the way we lead because he was the leader of that group. Um, and the way I lead is with this kind of gentleness and it's a firmness, but it's also very gentle, very, very genteel. And so kind of I related to him as um, kind of spiritually and emotionally because we look nothing alike. We look literally he's about, I don't know, four maybe five inches taller than me you know what i mean it's always like you know i'm lighter skin he's darker skin there's, there's no similarities in, in looks um but there's a similarities in how we kind of carry ourselves and so once i was able to find that commonality with him and then i realized like kind of what i do as an actor and what he does as a singer they're very different so like i don't do what he does and he doesn't do what i do so that took the pressure off and I was like, there's no pressure. All you have to do is just honor this man and honor the story. And honestly, just say thank you and, and say thank you through your work. And if you're telling this story honestly, um, that that's more than enough. And he was very, very pleased with um, kind of my portrayal of him. He's been very, very supportive um, and he's remained in my life um, and will remain in my life forever. 
I don't know. You know, you don't think that you'll be friends with someone that famous ever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, yeah. I was like, and I literally can call him right now and be like, hey man. He be like, hey. And sometimes he calls me Otis, which is the funniest thing. He's like, hey Otis, and I'm like, hey Otis. That's usually how it goes. He's like, hey Otis. I'm like, hey Otis. And so um, it's it, he's just um, he's a godsend, and he was very instrumental because, you know, of course I read the autobiography, I read his book, and. There was a mini series about his life, and um, so I, of course I knew that stuff. But there's no better way to research something than talking right to that person. And he sat us down, and we were in Berkeley, and he sat us down in a hotel. And we sat and listened to him for hours, just kind of reminisce on his childhood, because he they were children when they started. You know, they were 19, and so he was just going back and just taking us back with him and it was it's it was such a blessing to be able to kind of lean on him and go to him whenever I needed to and kind of just learn him and I just remember one day on stage one day on stage I kind of just it, it just clicked like it's like one of those things where you're just like I was in it and then I connected like to his spirit and I I started I remember talking a little bit differently because I'm not a good mimicker I'm not Jamie Foxx played um Ray Charles in the Ray Charles movie and mm-hmm. he's just a, such a, a really good impersonator and that's not that's not in my yeah. wheelhouse <laughs> at all you know what I mean I should never try to impersonate anyone but like I remember something happened where it just clicked and the way he talks I guess because I spent so much time around him it just happened naturally and and the way he moves it kind of just happened naturally and it was i remember being on stage saying oh look at you derek like you're stepping into this i was like you're stepping into this man's life this is great and i just felt so accomplished man um but he's he's such a godsend and and i'm so honored to call him friend what a gift to have that come out of that particular yeah show for, for all of you i think so i mean jelani also told me that he was you know got to meet him and that he was also so supportive of everybody. yeah um so it just yeah incredible um and of course after ain't too proud you don't uh have to worry about people thinking of you only as a musical theater performer um because it's obvious that your acting chops were very very on display with that as well as your musical chops so i think you know in terms of you know acting that was an incredible performance. Thank and you. You also were nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. As well as Tony. Yeah. Um, so how was that? Tell us how you heard about those. What was going through your mind when somebody told you the news? Or yeah, you yeah, saw yeah. Uh, well, I'll, well, we'll start with the Tony first because that came, the I think the Tony nomination came before the Grammy nomination. And so um, I would like to tell you that, you know, I was sleeping and someone called me and woke me up and because that's always the stories that you hear. But like, I really wanted that nomination. I'm not going to lie to you. And so I knew uh, those nominations were coming out and I woke up that morning. I want to say it was a nine o'clock call on, um, uh, gosh, I want to say CBS. I knew the people who were making the announcements and I woke up because I wanted, to, I, I I was nervous. I really, really was. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you because I think a lot of people aren't honest. Like, oh, it didn't matter. Like I wanted it. I wanted the nomination. Yeah. 
because um, I had worked really hard for it and I, I wanted it. And so I woke up and, you know, they don't announce all of the categories, of course, but they, they nominate, the, they, they uh, announce the big ones. And so, you know, all yeah. the leads and, and, and the, uh, the supporting actors, they, 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 they mentioned those. And my last name is Baskin. So I was like, we'll know very, <laughs> I won't have to wait too long, yeah. you know, until I knew it's alphabetical. Exactly. So after, <laughs> after Brooks, they announced Brooks. What was he in prom? He was in prom. Um, yeah. I was like, it's, I'm either next <laughs> or oh. nothing. And when they called my name and my friend, uh, Brandon Victor Dixon, who was once the, once one of the announcers, he called me, he called my name, I sobbed. I cry like a baby because it was for me, you know, awards and we have to be very, very careful with why we do what we do. I don't think that you should ever do anything to receive an award. But for me, the Tony nomination was a sign like, well done for this hard work that you're doing and to be acknowledged for literally blood, sweat, and tears. I literally bled on stage for that role. And what I sacrificed in my time, all of those things, you know, to be acknowledged for that hard work. And listen, every guy who has been, or every performer who has been a lead, um, they deserve to be acknowledged like that. Um, to say thank you for literally carrying a show. And I carried that show yeah. on my shoulders. It was also a role that was like, it was a deceptively hard role because it was um, a role. It's like the anti-lead. So you're the lead, but you're like, yeah. don't look at me. Like, please look at th these other people. And I'm there to set that and support this thing and let all the other moving parts move. Yeah. And I have to hold all the strings. And so it's deceptive. And I didn't know if people knew what I was doing because it wasn't a flashy role. And it usually wasn't usually the lead role. The story's about them. And this story is not just uh -huh. about me. You know, as a, as a lead, you have to adjust that, you know? And so to be acknowledged for just everything that I had gone through, I, I was, I, I just cried. I bawled like a baby. Um, and I was just very, very grateful for it. Uh, the Grammy Award was a complete surprise. It came out of nowhere because like, you, you you know you can be nominated for it. You do know that. But it's like sometimes as a theater actor, you don't think about it, right? It's just not on your radar. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> when it came out, I was like, what? And so and they were like, yeah, yeah, got, you got nominated. I was like, okay, great. You know, I literally was like, cool. I was with a friend that morning, and he told me, he was like, oh, we got nominated. And I was like, yeah, cool. And like, that's literally what I said. The whole cast, like everyone, the entire cast, you know, the show got nominated. Yeah. About an hour or two later, my agent calls me and he's like, congratulations on your Grammy. And I was like, yeah, great. You know, we got nominated. He's like, no, no, you have a nomination. The entire cast didn't get a nomination. He's like, no, you, you did. You, Derek, have a nomination. I was like, then it hit me, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was at a diner. I was at a diner with a friend when, um, uh, and I think I feel like I was either going to an audition or coming from one, or I was doing something that morning. I can't remember what it was. And I was at a diner down the street in Midtown from my agent. And well, when he said he was like, "No, Derek, you you actually you Derek 
Bernard Baskin have a nomination for a Grammy. I ran out of the diner. I left my friend and I was just like, listen, pay for this. I had to go. And I ran down the street and to my agent's office and like into the agency, straight into the agency and was like, started screaming. I, I have it. It was like, yes, you. <laughs> you just don't, it was such a blessing because it's not anything I expected. Like I didn't, ex I was like a Grammy. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was just, it was so amazing. It was so amazing. I just remember being, my friends laugh at me. He's like, you were so nonchalant when I told you. And I was like, yeah, because I didn't think it was me. You know what I mean? I was like, please, it's just every, it's everyone. He's like, no, it's you. Yeah. So it was, it was it was great. It was really fun. And then I actually went, like, I went to the Grammys that year. How yeah, fun. I got to walk the red carpet. Super, super yeah, fun. Was awesome. Well, all so well deserved. Thank you. Oh, the show was so good. I, you know, it's you see a lot of the, these catalog musicals, but that one was. Me Too Pride was so different and wonderful. And I think, you know, the music's great. Obviously, the acting is great. But all of the actors on Broadway are of a caliber that you're seeing great performances. But I think the difference was the book. Dominique really did an amazing job putting that story together in a way that was both familiar and also surprising yeah. and that, you know, it was quality stuff. It wasn't just songs put together, yeah. kind of a plot. And really, the material that she put in, you know, gave you guys to work with, plus your talent, plus the incredible music, all just made this beautiful piece of art that, you know, it's, it just wasn't your typical catalog musical. Yeah, well, um, what so. I love about what she did with it, you know, this was her Broadway debut as well. And I want to say that. this was her first musical. So, you know, she has a plethora of plays. She's from Detroit. And so a lot of her plays are, are set there. And this was a love letter to Detroit. And when you write plays, someone who's going to write a musical, uh, it, it, sometimes there's a formula to it. You know, this scene has to lead into this song, has to lead yep. into the scene. The scene sets up the song. She didn't do that, you know. I think she approached it. Um, as this is a story I want to tell, this is a play, and it felt like a play. Mm -hmm. And even my character, like, I honestly talked more than I sang. And I'm the lead. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you were like the Greek chorus exactly. leading us into Yeah, and story. so, you know, yeah. I, I, I think, and there was a lot of information she had to get in there. And then a lot, because yeah. when you have five leads... You have to try as much as you can to get as much information as you can, and she and I think she did. I think she did a, a stand-up job doing that. Um, but it was it felt different because she's different. She doesn't yep. she doesn't follow the rules of this is how you write a musical. She's like this is how you write this piece, and so I I think that's yeah. why it felt pretty different. Yeah, I was it's just so thrilled to see her on Broadway because I've been a big fan. I worked with her when I was at the Public oh, Theater cool. years ago, and she was in the emerging writers yeah. group. So she wasn't even a, you know, a, a produced playwright at that point. But she obviously was incredibly talented and we knew she was gonna be a star one day. She's so major. So gratifying to see that journey as Absolutely. well Absolutely, she's um, she has um skeleton crew is coming to Broadway. Um, they just announced yep, that, starting from Alicia Rashad. And oh. yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Ruben Santiago Hudson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, just very excited um, kind of for her journey as well um, in this business. Excellent. Yeah. 
So you've also ventured into television. Yeah. Uh, and you've been working on Hulu's Difficult People mm-hmm. with Shakina, I believe. Yeah. Who's also performing at 54 yeah. Below the weekend before yeah. you. Yeah. So tell us about the show, what that experience is like. First of all, uh, Shakina. Versus theater. Oh, very, very, <laughs> very different. Um, you know, first of all, I so I did three seasons of Difficult People. Shakina joined us in season two. <laughs> I remember when she joined the. Uh, I remember her first day on set because she played this uh, waitress who worked at the restaurant that me and the woman who played my wife, Gabrielle Sidibe, we owned, and so we were there for. I was there for her debut, and she just came in like a wrecking ball and just like completely <laughs> annihilated this scene. And I was just like, she's amazing. Like, it was so amazing to kind of watch her work and to watch her like come into her own. And it's a beautiful thing when you can witness an actor in a role that's really made for them that they can just shine. And I saw her shine, and we had a we had a discussion about that. I think that day, and I was just like, "Listen, I I'm just gonna watch you soar, you know." And I'm just so very very happy yeah. um, for her and everything that she has accomplished, and we've become really good friends, and it's great, man. But working in TV is different, man. I was the only kind of like straight guy in the cast everyone else kind of came from like improv and so and but but they're also um huge theater buffs so like um julie, julie klosner and billy eichner they they love broadway and so like you know when andrea martin plays julie's mom you know andrea she's yeah, like probably royalty you know and so um but she's also just very funny and so they hired a bunch of like kind of improv people and I was not that <laughs> you know and so uh it was kind of an adjustment a learning curve for me but mm-hmm. I do like being funny and being silly but I, I their characters were so more so far out that I had to be the guy to be like he's <laughs> Nate is the normal guy was my character's name is Nate and so it's like he's he's like the normal and whatever normal is you have all these kites and someone has to hold the strings and so yeah. it was just it was it was a it was a lot of fun man and I learned a lot about just cameras and camera angles and how tight or how how wide is the shot and I learned about just kind of staying in that moment and the, sometimes in theater the mistake we make as theater actors is going to the audience as opposed to let's just be here and let the audience come to you and in film and television quite oftentimes the more simple you are the better and um but also you have to remember just to always tell the truth Mm -hmm. and if you do it from a truthful place no matter how big or outlandish it is it'll still fall and read and so i was learning how to just continue to stay honest in my um acting and so it's kind of like just like a learning a learning thing for me yeah I had a good time. I had a great time, man. We got three seasons of that bad boy, and we were down. We were behind the public theater, so we were like on I want to say Second Avenue and Second and Sixth. I want to say, yeah. There's a restaurant that they used to uh, shut down where we worked out of. So I want to ask you this. My staff came up with these last couple of questions. Okay, because they were reading your bio with great interest. You you were obviously a successful actor on stage and screen, but you have a bachelor's degree in biology. Can you tell us the story behind that? 
I'm such a science geek. Like, <laughs> I, my favorite things in school when I was growing up was, you know, math and science and chemistry and that kind of stuff just always turned my brain on. And when I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be either a family doctor, you know, the kind of doctors like you live in a town and you, you're the doctor, you raise that kid, you raise the whole family, you know, either that mm-hmm. person or I, or a surgeon. <laughs> exactly. And so I was like one of those. And I just, I've always loved medicine. Uh-huh. I always loved the mechanisms in your body and your body's ability to kind of balance itself and kind of heal itself. And when someone is sick, what do you do to kind of like heal that person? And so that's always been kind of an interest for me. And so what I'm doing now as an actor, I didn't want to do when I was younger because I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't grow up listening to musicals. You know, I grew up in church. And so like that was my music. And so I didn't grow up, you know, wanting to be an actor. I didn't grow up wanting to be a musical theater performer. I grew up, I did grow up wanting to sing because that's my first love. But I also was like, well, but I'll just be a doctor. <laughs> I'll be a singing doctor. And so, yeah, it, I, I, you know, I went to Hampton University and I, I, you know, majored in biology and I took my MCATs and was applying to medical schools and graduate schools when my course changed. And I just changed the course and moved to New York and said, let's see what happens if you just move to New York. And here we are. <laughs> what a story. And it also, I also have a note here that you went to high school in Japan. I did. So my dad, he's, <laughs> my dad's birthday was yesterday. Oh, um, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, dad. He, um, he and my mom, well, my dad was uh, in the military and he and my mom were high school sweethearts. And so they both graduated high school. He went right into the military. He was stationed in Japan when I was in high school. And so we were at Yokota Air Force Base, uh, me and my five siblings and my mom. And yeah, that's kind of like, you know, the formative years. So that's, if Japan kind of feels like home for me, you know, wow. it's kind of where I grew up. What an incredible experience for a young person. Oh man, living in overseas. Japan is so amazing. Like in the mornings you could see because of the clouds, you can see Mount Fuji kind oh. of like in the mornings. Right, but you couldn't see it later in the day. It was interesting. It was just, it was, and we weren't even that close to Mount Fuji. You could just see it in the distance. That's how big the mountain is. And so, or volcano. Yeah, it it was one of the best experiences of my life was just like living overseas. And I feel, I still feel kind of attached to the culture. I, you know, I have my Japanese grocery stores here that I go to when I Mm -hmm. want my Japanese food and yeah, I, I, I went to high school in Japan. <laughs> That's so wonderful. I think everybody should live overseas for a few years. I think so, you know. understand that we're part of a world community. Yes, I uh, think you know. Americans, we are so self-centered and self-indulgent. And we believe that we're such the center of everything. And if we just take a step back and realize that we are global citizens and there are so there's so many more cultures there's so many more ways of living there's just so many different cultures and to kind of appreciate something other than where you uh, other than your corner i think it gives us i hope 
if you kind of educate yourself with like global affairs, you will want to be like more responsible and more re you want to actually more interact with the world. And I think that we don't do that, you know? We don't do that as Americans, you know? You travel and you expect everyone to speak your language. Like if I'm going to <laughs> like if I'm going to Germany, why would I expect a German to speak English? Shouldn't they speak German in your country? You know what I mean? And granted, yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a English is a global language. I don't know. I, I wish more people traveled. I wish more people yeah. kind of just appreciated cultures other than like our culture. Yeah. Yeah. It is it's my great joy is travel. And I moved here from Peru when I was eight, so ah. this is a foreign country to me. Right. Um, and it's also incredible when you go overseas, you realize people do speak English because people speak more than one language. Yes, and, and there's that. Just, they, <laughs> and I guess when your neighbor over the border speaks Italian and your neighbor to the south speaks French, right? You kind of learn the languages. Yeah, we don't. We're do so that. isolated. We you are know, the, from coast to coast. We're just there and we have one neighbor to the south and one neighbor to the north right and that's it but you know if you're in the middle of europe you've got somebody speaking german over here yeah french here italian here so yeah it's interesting but such a great experience and and during those formative years i think also yeah you know well i think if i'm very honest because i when i moved to new york i i didn't know what i was doing and i didn't know anyone here um and so but i think because of my upbringing and growing up around so many different cultures. When I got here, New York really felt like home to me. I was so used to being around different people. I was used to being around people I didn't quite understand what they were saying and figuring that out and communication. When I moved to New York, just the plethora of cultures that are here. You can go to a different block and have a whole different culture, you know? And to me, it felt like home because I'm used to adjusting. I'm used to different people. So it was... I think my upbringing kind of helped me move to New York uh, more successfully. Great. Well, we'll just leave it there. Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. You can see Derek's show at Fine Science 54 Below, June 29, 30, July 1, 2, and 3 at 7 p.m. Thank you so much. Listen, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be at 54 Below. I hope that when you come, because I'm going to say when, I'm going to thank all the listeners for coming in advance. Um, When you come, I I hope that this music kind of touches you. I hope that you leave the show lighter than you came in. I really look forward to connecting with you all. So thank you for coming in advance. You've been listening to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.